quickly pray for Andy. If you want to stretch out your hand towards him, that'd be wonderful. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for Andy. I thank you for his ministry. I thank you for everything that you've birthed in him and through him, the vision you've given him for this city and far, far beyond. And Lord, I just pray now you bless him as he shares with us. Bless everything that he's prepared. And Lord, come and speak to us through him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And thank you for that welcome. It's lovely to be here. Um, and uh, especially to uh, reconnect with Andy and Lucy. I was there when uh, a message Christmas party about 20 years ago, when Andy sidled up to Lucy. I watched it all happen. And, uh, you know, two babies later, it's uh, all history. But, but that's, uh, it's great to be here and uh, such a joy to join you. And uh, you know what? I didn't even know you were having an offering for Festival Manchester. I was going to go in hard and ask you all to give big, but Eddie, I can pull that out now. But, but we do need you to, and thank you so much. It's a huge adventure, Festival Manchester, and it is taking us to the edge of our faith. But, wow, God's going to do some wonderful things. We had a great day yesterday. In fact, we had a great Friday morning praying in Withenshaw Park and a growing sense of excitement there. Just thinking every step we take, people are going to come to Christ. You know, it's a massive thing we're doing in Withenshaw Park, but that's just the climax. We uh, want it to be a transformational thing across the region. What actually happened was I went away on a, well, I was supposed to go on a full-on sabbatical when I was 60 in, uh, in 2020, but that didn't happen like most things in 2020. But I managed to get a couple of weeks away when the government lifted the restrictions in August and I went to Scotland. And the sun shone, and uh, I swam in locks and all that stuff. That's how holy I am. Who does that even happen to? But no, it was just uh, ace time. And, uh, but before I went, two of our trustees independently phoned me and said, you must come back with a vision that scares us. And I'm like, well, I just thought I had a nice holiday. And I went away, but I felt the weight of it. And actually, immediately after the second of those phone calls that came in quick succession, uh, I opened my Bible and I was my set reading for the day. I was doing, well, I do this, still do it. You know, read through the Bible in a year thing was Joshua, Joshua chapter one. And particularly stood out to me, those verses, one, chapter one, verse nine. Have I not commanded you, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In August 2020, there was a lot to be afraid of, a lot to be discouraged with. But the Lord said, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for I'll be with you. Imagine what it would be like if God was with you. You know, the 12 spies had plenty to be afraid with about walled cities, giants, threats, all that going on. But two of them said, we're going to operate as if the Lord's with us. And they're the only two people you could name. You're not going to name the other 10 spies. Oh, yeah, they're in the Bible, but you don't know what the names are. Because they've gone down in history of people who walked in fear and discouragement and despair. But two men stepped up in faith. What were they called? Joshua and Caleb. You know their names. They were made of the same stuff, but they had a different spirit. And so I went away to Scotland and I was seeking the Lord, writing a journal. And honestly, those verses kept popping up. I had this crazy experience where two WhatsApps came into my phone. The first two I opened, I woke up, got a bed. One came from India. Somewhere else came from some other far-flung place. I can't remember where. The first WhatsApp said, Joshua 1 verse 9, have I not commanded you? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Didn't tell me who it's from. Didn't tell me where it's come from. Guess what? The second WhatsApp, I opened them. Boom, boom. First two WhatsApp. Exactly the same thing. And I knew it was the Lord. The Lord was saying, come on, it's time to step up. Imagine what it would be like if the Lord was with you. 
Imagine what could happen in our region at a time when people, not just in the church, but out there are living with great fear and a great sense of their mortality. And it hasn't got any easier. You know, the day the lockdown restrictions were lifted, we went to war in Europe. And now we've got this hanging over us, the cost of living crisis. There's plenty to be afraid about still. But the Lord is still on his throne. And at times like this throughout history, it's times we've seen a major move of God. Just look back to Wesley when Britain was getting drunk on gin and church decline was like this. And, and, and the inner cities were appalling places, but a man got on his horse with that Joshua and Caleb spirit and look what happened. Look at the time of William Booth. Inner cities were appalling places. It was like the worst of the developing world, running, running people in the streets, in, in raw sewage flowing down the streets and a terrible child mortality all going on. And William Booth said, no, I'm going to live with a different spirit. Very ordinary man and his wife, Catherine, to be fair, because she was supposed to be a better preacher than him. And uh, they just transformed this nation. Why can't we believe that? bunch of people with a different spirit could see a city transformed. And that's the heart behind Festival Manchester. So while I'm away, I'm like, okay, what would it look like? And we'd organise this biggest biggest mission Manchester's ever seen, I think, in 2003. 65,000 people in Heaton Park. You're probably all probably far too young to remember that. Anybody remember Festival Manchester 2003? Yeah, a few of you. And uh, But... We did a whole load of build-up prayer stuff in that and community action, and it was a lovely thing. And we thought, what about that? But next level, next level partnership, next level impact, what would it look like? So I came back thinking, you know what? I'm going to get in touch with the Plough Association, who are the ninjas in terms of organising huge transformational festivals around the world. But before I did that, I decided I wanted to sit down with a few church leaders and I had 30 cups of coffee over the next few weeks around the, not in quick succession, but over a few weeks with just key leaders, um, just saying, what do you think? You know, is it right that we go like this? I know it's a weird time to do it in the middle of a global pandemic to plan it. We don't know what's coming up, but I just feel the Lord might be saying, this is an amazing time for the church to step up and go for it and organize something that no one organization and no one church could put on for the city. And there was a massive sense of the rightness of it. And uh, if you've got the word of the Lord, you know, the Bible, and if you've got a sense in your spirit that this is the right thing as you've prayed about something, and then you go to godly people and you check it out with them and they say, yes, well, act like crazy people. Step out in faith. If you've got those three things lining up, and I really believe I did have those three things lining up. So, we went to the council and tried to book Withenshaw Park. Withenshaw Park is an amazing place. If you've ever been, a huge park right on the edge of the Europe's largest council estate, 110,000 people, but on a great transport link just off the M60. And we walked in Withenshaw Park. We prayed in Withenshaw Park, said, Lord, give us this ground for this great festival. We went to the council and the council said, no, thanks. They said, we'd rather you had it at Platt Fields. And we're like, oh, we really wanted to win this short part, but okay. We went to look at Platfields. Seemed to be a cool venue. We booked the date, and then we started the publicity. You may have seen the early publicity with Platfields, July the 20th to 22nd, 2022. And then the council came back to us. 
We love Manchester Council. If there's any councillors here or officials in the council, I still love you. But uh, they came back to us and said, we've double booked Platfields. And the South Asian festival's happening over that weekend that we forgot about because it's in a different diary and they haven't done it for two years. And uh, could you please go back to Withenshaw Park because we've done lots of work on the drainage. And we're like, yes, please. And they said, would you mind having a different weekend? And I'd been in a flat the first weekend after we booked uh, Platt Fields because our original date was the first weekend of the school holidays, which seemed like a good idea. Except I remember driving to work super quickly on that weekend and nobody being in church because everyone had gone on holiday. I'm thinking this is going to be a disaster. Well, we've got the days booked. So the council said, would you move it forward three weeks? And we're like, yes, please. And I honestly believe we've got Festival Manchester booked in the right park on the right date. And God's been so kind to us. First thought of this thing is partnership. That's why Barnabas are here with their beautiful work amongst homeless people. We're going to go out of our way to bless the homeless community. That's why Home for Good are here. One of the glorious outcomes we're believing for from Festival Manchester is 500 children fostered or adopted into Christian families. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could see that? Forever homes for these kids who are waiting. And um, even as I say that, there's probably a couple in this room who are like, I could do that. It'll be scary, but it'll be amazing. And you could love on some young person who's waiting or child that's waiting for a home right now. And all the evidence is, unless somebody steps in, that their future isn't very bright. Just check out the stats but we can make a difference. And we're asking churches to adopt and foster kids. Yes, there'll be a couple that steps up, probably, but, but we're saying, church, would you just love on people and pray for people and babysit and let's do something beautiful. So home for good here. Even if there's a little spark, as I say that, go and have a chat with them. We won't, you know, send you a little child tomorrow morning <laughs> knocking on the door <laughs> with his little rucksack. <laughs> but... Uh, we will start a process and let's see if it's the Lord. So, so see Kizzy and the, the guys from Home for Good as well. And of course, compassion. We want to see a thousand children sponsored in the developing world. I'm a compassion freak. I've been out around 10 times to Haiti and seen their work. Seen how you rescue a child in every possible way they could be rescued. You know, in terms of food and health care and housing and education and full on Jesus. You know, they count how many kids respond to the gospel. And it is well over a million now through Compassion Globally. Absolutely amazing. And then um, I remember, I'll just say this about Compassion before we show you a video and get into the Bible. I'm good. I'm on time, Andy. It's okay. Right. I went out to um, Haiti and first time we went, we met this kid, David, who got, got a nail in his eye and he was blind in one eye and he was in real bad shape on the streets in rags. And I said to Compassion, I don't even know if you meant to do this, could I sponsor that little kid, you know, five-year-old kid? And they said, yeah, of course, we'll get him on the program. There's, and so they put him on the program in Port-au-Prince. And next time I met him, David was in so much better shape. And they'd had a little operation on his eye and got glasses and all that good stuff, you know. And they were caring for this boy. And, and then I asked him, David, are you a Christian? Have you met Jesus? And he said, no, not yet. And the compassion worker was like, yes, I'm terribly sorry, but he's had lots of opportunities. And we're doing our, you know, it's like... But then, 
But the next time I went, I then went two years later, David, are you a Christian? Yes, I've met Jesus. I made this decision then and I'm being discipled in the church. But I love that actually. It's not like tick, there's another compassion child. There's another baby Christian. It's a real decision you've got to make. And they're smashing it. And if your family don't sponsor a compassion child, why not do something beautiful today? You'll never regret that. And on the final day, when you meet them in heaven, you'll be like, that's some of the best money I've ever spent. So uh, compassion are here as well today. And we're believing on the festival, we'll see a thousand kids sponsored. We're certainly going to go for it. We're going to have no offerings, no mention of monies over the, over the weekend, apart from sponsor a child and see what happens. So anyway, watch the Festival Manchester video and hopefully get excited. Yes. So we're going for it. We're out of a depth and we need all the help we can get. It's a team effort. It's not the message trust or Palau. It's the body of Christ going for it. One thing I would so appreciate, we need around 3,000 volunteers to pull this thing off. Some of that is people who will help baby Christians in those first steps in the park. People who will help us run kids zones and youth zones. People who will do all sorts of stewarding and numerous volunteer opportunities. If you're willing to do any of that in the next few months and especially over the big weekend, would you please fill in this card? Uh, we would so appreciate that and give it to Femi who will be at our Festival Manchester stand over there where there's loads more information about everything uh, everything we heard about. On the, on the stand as well is a card that I'd love you to take, with, is, which is a card, a prayer card, where you can write the names of five friends who don't yet know Jesus or family members. Write the names and just start praying for them every day. Yesterday at the big festival, Manchester Bash at Audacious, I, I told the story, true story of D.L. Moody. Anybody heard of D.L. Moody? Amazing evangelist in the 19th century. Well, he decided he wasn't going to pray for five friends. He was going to pray for a hundred. And he wasn't going to stop praying for them until they all kept, got saved. And he did everything he could to love on them and share the good news of Jesus. During his lifetime, 96 of those friends gave their life to Christ. And even more amazingly, perhaps, the final four gave their life to Christ at his funeral. How amazing is that? You know why? Because God answers prayer. Prayer and repeated prayer, importunate prayer, it's actually called, where you knock and you keep on knocking, you seek and you keep on seeking. I'm not going to give up God until we see this person come to Christ. So please, would you take one of those cards and just fill it in, put it in your Bible, on your fridge or whatever, that somewhere you'll see it regularly. Hopefully the Bible, as I pointed out yesterday, more than the fridge, but uh, wherever, just so you see your, see your friends. Yesterday, we had some lovely things happen, actually, at this Festival Manchester Bash. Um, first thing was, in between, we were just chatting to someone and this lady said, um, oh, we came along and my, my daughter brought a best friend along and we've come from North Wales, driven for two hours, and her best friend has just given her life to Christ. Great, in between the two meetings. I was like, I love that. I felt like first fruits, you know, down payment. And then Kizzy or somebody from Home for Good said they had loads of brilliant conversations. Um, you know, families who are considering fostering an adoption. I'm like, yes, that's so good. And then I got this lovely little, when I got home, lovely little message from the guy who leads the Palau organization. And you may think this is a small thing. I don't think it is. I think it's a massive thing. Exactly what we want to happen to Festival Manchester. Dave said, a little girl, six years old, and her dad just came up to me and said she just worshipped 
for the first time. Her dad said, how do you feel? She said, I feel strange and my heart is beginning to burn. I love that. Thought of little people encountering Jesus and the hearts burning with love for him. People who start to worship him because that's what Festival Manchester is all about. We're not happy that Jesus isn't getting the worship he deserves in this city. Every little person, every middle-aged person, every old person is formed to declare his praise. They're made to worship. And while Jesus' name is a swear word, a cuss word in our city, we're not going to stop telling them that as far as we're concerned, it's the most wonderful name by which we've been saved. It's precious to us and we want the whole city to worship him. Don't we? Because our hearts burn for him. So set us on fire. And I know COVID's been a flipping passion killer, but it is time for the church to step up now. I was... Last weekend, preaching in Stoke, we're doing one of these lovely community groceries with a, a Methodist church in Stoke, and it was a you know big packed church. And actually, you don't often say that big packed Methodist church, but it was. And um, why did I say that? Don't know. But anyway, <laughs> but I talked to the lady minister who's there, a lovely lady, and I said, "Wow, it's great here. How's it gone since you you know came out of lockdown?" She said, "Well, there's lots of people." who haven't come back, to be honest, who are still watching online. But there's so many new people. I don't know where they've all come from. That is the story of the church at the moment. There's a lot of people who've lost some of the passion, who'd rather sit in the gym jams watching church online whilst checking out the Facebook at the same time. But there's also a massive hunger in the nation. The harvest is on, honestly. The harvest is on if we can just wake up to it. So let's just pray. Lord, I pray. I thank you that that is true. The harvest is always on, but we do sense that on the back of all the carnage of the last couple of years that you're on the move in our nation and you're drawing people to yourself. We don't want to miss a moment like this. I pray your church will come together like we've never seen for the sake of your great name and for the sake of this city, Lord. Pour out your spirit through Festival Manchester and help us to make the most of this moment. Thank you, Lord. And even now, as it comes to your Bible, I pray that I can bring some real encouragement and, and perhaps inspiration, even challenge to the people in this room. But not me, Lord. You do it, God. Amen. Yeah, so I've, um, I've, I've called this talk, Life is a Roller Coaster, in the words of a famous, uh, fantastic Irish singer who used to front Boyzone. Remember him, Ronan Keating? That was one of his singles, Life is a Roller Coaster, because don't we know that? I wrote to my brother once, Andy and Lucy will know this, having worked for the message, you know, it's been such a roller coaster over 30 years of this charity. And there's been times when the financial pressure has been virtually intolerable. And Michael, my brother, about 20 years ago, was a missionary in South Sudan and he was living in a mud hut and had a drop toilet and no running water, no electricity. And... Uh, just occasionally he could like get some satellite stuff into his laptop to send a few emails and crazy life he was living in. And in the local villages, the Lord's Resistance Army were running through and doing the most appalling things. So full-on cutting-edge missionary work. Why would you want to do that if there's no heaven? If there is a heaven, it makes lots of sense. But anyway, Michael was out there and I managed to get an email through to him and I said, oh, I'm just fed up with it, Michael, to be honest. Life's such a roller coaster, you know, pouring out my heart. 
And I said, you know, sometimes I feel like going back to selling braces. Because <laughs> I used to have a, a, I didn't just sell braces, but fashion accessories. And uh, only down the road from here, actually, we had our factory. And um, I didn't really mean it. I could think of nothing worse than going back to selling braces. But I was just having a moan at my brother, really. This is what Michael is obviously a lot cleverer than me. This is how he replied. It seems to me that a life of any purpose on earth is likely to be a roller coaster. The only difference being a Christian is it's, that it's a wilder ride. Having a spiritual dimension as well, eat your heart out, Alton Towers, as you imply vis-a-vis -vis selling braces, the only alternative life on offer for now would be one of those little kiddie rides you can often see at the fairground where you sit on the tiny, pointless train and go round and round. Now, this one has to admit can seem pleasant from time to time and maybe the Lord in his grace will offer you such an interval whilst he stands lovingly watching you trundle by, waving, holding your baggage and of course paying for the ride. But like all his children, I suspect you're the sort who quickly gets bored. Is there anything more boring than being on the tedious little materialistic, me-centered, round and round and round and round, really getting nowhere? How about the wild ride of being a Christian? How about the massive highs and the challenging lows that only Jesus can take you through? How about that ride that God, I believe, is calling us all to? I want to read you some verses out of Mark chapter 1, right at the start of Jesus' ministry. Oh. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So... Jesus, as you know, born in Bethlehem, a lot of palaver around his birth. And then for 30 years, very little apart from one appearance at the temple. We don't know what he did apart from he grew in favor with God and man. That's what the Bible says. Have you ever thought how frustrating that must have been for the angels? We had, we had angelic choirs announcing his arrival. I mean, we've been waiting for thousands of years for this event, the Messiah to come on this incredible rescue mission. And then for 30 years, all he does is make flipping tables. <laughs> because timing is everything in the kingdom of God. Jesus knows the time to move. And he grew, he grew up, he went through the life of an ordinary working class man working with his hands, never sinned lived this beautiful God life, grew in faith with God and man, and the time was right. And he came out into public life, and he was baptized by John, and there was this amazing moment. He's on a high. He's got his mission from the Father, and he's baptized, and he hears the Father's audible voice. This is my own son I'm well pleased with. Spirit comes down on him like a dove. Wow, what a moment, what a high. Here we are on the roller coaster. The very next thing that happens is the Spirit 
sent him into the desert for 40 days, fasting and praying and scrapping with the devil. The devil tries to undermine everything he believes, twist scriptures. And at his weakest moment, when he's so hungry, tests him and tempt him. It's like, here he is. Oh, He's down again, but hey, we're on the way up because in the desert, he gets not just filled with the Spirit, he starts to move in the power of the Spirit. Have you spotted that in Luke's Gospel? Luke 4, he goes into the desert, he's filled with the Spirit. Of course he is, look at Jesus. He's full of God, but he came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a big difference. We can come to church, if you like, and get filled and encounter that moment, the power of the Spirit happens as we walk out of those doors, as we carry it out into a world in need, which of course is what Jesus did. And he comes out, he's on a high, the roller coaster's high, he's moving in the power of the Spirit. And then the closest brother to him, John the Baptist, the guy he called the greatest man who's ever lived, he's arrested for following Jesus. And he's on death row. And even John the Baptist questioning him, are you really the one we've been waiting for? Suddenly it's like, his closest mates, not only are, you know, getting persecuted just for following, but they're doubting he's, he's who he said he was. He's down again, but he doesn't give in. He digs in, he goes into the temple, he gets this incredible gospel manifesto. I mean, if he's that way for Jesus, don't you think he's going to be that way for you? The white-suited tele-evangelist may tell you different, but the Bible doesn't. Life is a massive roller coaster for the Christian. Up and down like a yo-yo. So annoying it has to be that way. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if it could just be, ooh, heaven? <laughs> well, maybe it would. But maybe we'd be weird, shiny, boring people who couldn't relate to a world in need if we're like that. Life's meant to be a roller coaster. The only difference is we don't give up. We don't give in. We keep going. And because we've got a good heart and because we persevere to the end through all the highs and lows of life, we look back and we see there's a hundredfold harvest through a dead ordinary life like ours. How did that even happen? It simply happened by keeping going when others would give up. And as he came out of the desert in the power of the Spirit, Jesus told the people not only what the gospel was, <laughs> what the, the main drift of the gospel is, quite simply, but he also told them what the means of getting that gospel out there is. He told them the, he told them the message and the method in a, his first few sentences of preaching. As John was in prison, Jesus went out proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. Time means everything in the kingdom. Remember that. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. There's the message that we're meant to be taking out with Festival Manchester. The message is the kingdom of God has come near with Jesus. That beautiful rule and reign of God is available. Isn't it amazing that we sing our God reigns in church, doesn't, don't we? We sing our God reigns and that's true and it's not true. Our God reigns over the universe. Our God, our God reigns over everything. The only thing he doesn't reign over is a stubborn heart that says, I don't want you to reign over me. Isn't it amazing that we can choose not to experience the rule and reign of God? How 
arrogant can we possibly be to say, no, God, I don't want your rule and reign over my life. I want to live for myself, especially when the rule and reign of God brings life to the full, a life of purpose and meaning, especially when the rule and reign of God introduces us to heaven for all eternity. How mad to say no to that. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's near because Jesus is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. So repent and believe the good news. And I really don't want any of the evangelists to preach believe the good news at Festival Manchester. Quote me on that. I want them to preach repent and believe the good news because that's Jesus' message. How do you become a Christian? Well, you believe Jesus was God. You believe he died on the cross. You believe he rose again to forgive, to forgive your sins. You believe he's coming again. No, you, you repent and believe the good news. You're going this way, a broad road that leads to destruction. You turn right round, you change your mind. You go the opposite direction, a narrow and a rocky road that leads to eternal life. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. You can't just be a Christian by believing some stuff. The devil believes and trembles. You got to repent, get off the throne, put Jesus on the throne. And when you do, you receive eternal life. When you do, you receive a power and a joy even to take you through every trial and a peace that makes no sense. One of the great joys at the moment is I've done something, or we've done something at the message that we said we'd never do. Planted a church. Don't even know, quite know how it happened, but it was a move of God. And 200 people became Christians through our grocery. And the church that was meeting at the message building pulled out during COVID at exactly the same time. We got all these people. We need a church. We're like, we don't do church planting. <laughs> we leave that to other people. But God spoke so powerfully, so clearly that the time was right for this message community church where I was this morning. But we got so many brilliant stories. One of them, I'm in her small group, which meets in Bench Hill site of a big old Catholic church that was knocked down. They built these flats and they, we have a small group in those flats in Ben Shill and Sam, the girl who hosts the small group, she came out 15 months ago to our community grocery. One of the most broken people I've ever met. Her partner had committed suicide. She was on the heart transplant list because she was very sickly and she, except she'd taken herself off the heart transplant list because I don't even want to live. Certainly don't want to go through that. Anyway, Sam, honestly, you couldn't meet a more fired up, amazing, staggeringly Jesus-filled Christian now 15 months later. And I said to her this week, and I came into this year, 1st of January, I said, Lord, would you please, can we just see two things this year? I want to see many more things. But one is Debs, who we baptized, blind lady. Could we see a C? Could she see? And would you heal Sam's heart? Well, Debs can see. You can watch the video. Go on Message Community Church Facebook. It's the most staggering thing you've ever seen. And it's just, you want some of faith building? Go and see this girl testifying. She's like, oh, that's what yous look like. And that's what yous look like. Oh, and that's yous. I'm sorry. I didn't know you looked like that. We lowered her into the baptismal pool you know it's a right palaver getting this girl in blind girl walking with a stick and she can see and it's the most beautiful thing it's so precious and we've seen that but because life's a roller coaster we haven't seen Sam's heart healed yet but I, but I tell you what I said to her this week 
How's he going, Sam? Oh, I'm having some problems with my blood pressure. And, 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 uh. She said, but you know what, Andy? I've got this incredible piece. I've just got this incredible piece. And I went down to the, all the tests in Newcastle and I just felt, well, I felt all this tingling and I think it was the Holy Spirit all the way there. How rich is she? So amazing. So wonderful. The big miracles happened because she's saved and God, I'd love it if you'll heal her heart. And we keep on praying for that. And I'm like, God, come on. You did it for Debs. Do it for Sam. But you get me? It's just fantastic what's happening because the kingdom of heaven is near. And Sam and Debs have repented. In fact, Andrew Palau preached when Debs, Andrew Palau, Louis Palau's son who was speaking last night, he preached at Message Community Church when Debs gave her life to Christ last time he was over. And he said, how's that blind girl doing who gave her life to Christ, Andy? I said, the answer is not blind. <laughs> Come on, Lord. It's fantastic. The kingdom of heaven's near. Anything can happen when Jesus is around. The kingdom of heaven, you know, heaven, there'll be no blind people, no people waiting for new hearts in heaven. It'll, it'll all be made right, but we see that breaking, don't we? If we'll just repent and believe that Jesus is Lord and yes, he did die on the cross and he rose again so that we can receive life and we can receive heaven. Jesus spoke loads about the kingdom. Just look at it. It's a beautiful, amazing place where God's in charge. Incredible joy and freedom. Free from all the baggages and chips that hold us back. True freedom, true peace. It's called shalom, actually. It's such a big word in the Bible. So much better than peace. It's like centeredness, wholeness, completeness. That's the kingdom of God. Well, we're not going to experience the full measure of that, but we are meant to experience increasing amounts of it as we journey with Jesus. Sounds good, doesn't it? We should do, we can do, and we will do, and we should do, and come on, people, let's get together. Let's experience the fullness of the Spirit here at church, and let's carry it out in this 15-minute in interval in the match. Let's, you know, let's get filled, but please don't think this is where the action is. The action is out there as we announce, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So Jesus talked about... Um, Oh, yeah, I was going to say this, actually. You know, a lot of Christians, actually, to be honest, even Christians are a bit like Maggie Thatcher. Do you remember her? You turn if you want to. The lead is not for turning. Do you remember her? No, you don't. You're far too young. <laughs> she was a somewhat divisive figure on Maggie, but she was hilarious as well. You turn if you want to. The lead is not for turning, you know. Come on, I'm not going to turn. I'm just going to believe the right stuff. I'm not going to turn away from the things that are destroying my life and messing up those around me. No, repent, Jesus says. So he spoke about what the message is, changing our priorities, our, changing our, everything about us, not being on the throne. It's he's boss, he's Lord. Repent and believe the good news. He, he, he talks about that, but he also talked about what the means in his first few sentences in, this, in his ministry First thing he did, his first thought after he'd said that, look, here's the message, repent, believe the good news, kingdom of heaven is near. What's the very next thing he did? He brought that message. The very next thing he did as he walked beside the Sea of Galilee was caused, he'd call these scruffy fishermen to join him on the adventure. First thing he did, Andrew and Simon, these two working class fishermen, we know how hot-headed they were, 
read the Gospels. And then James and John are even slightly more mad. Sons of thunder, Jesus called them. And he said, come follow me. Not follow some religious rules and regulations. Follow me. Fall in love with me and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Don't mess about when Jesus is around. If he calls you to do something, sponsor a child, adopt a kid, pick up litter and go praying. Give outrageously, extravagantly. Just do it. You'll never regret those decisions just to follow Jesus because he's beautiful and wonderful. Without delay, it says. It says at once, Simon and Andrew just followed him, left everything and followed him. There were the nets left by the side. They just went for it. Out immediately, James and John were working in the dad's fishing business. Done. We're off. I'm not saying, you know, I started this talk by saying it's good to get the Bible, good to get a sense of rightness inside, good to get spiritual counsel. But sometimes, you know, when you've got those things, you just got to go for it, haven't you? If Jesus speaks to you, don't call yourself a Christian. Actually, if you're not prepared to repent and believe the good news, don't call yourself a Christian if you're not willing to share it with others. Sure sign that you know Jesus is that you're excited about telling other people. Sure sign you've gone off the boil and you're withering it. You're losing that passion because Jesus has got that passion. His Holy Spirit's got that passion. Look at all he went through so the world can know about Jesus. Time's up. Andy said it should be over by five o'clock. Let's just pray for a moment. Just bow your heads, would you? Hmm. Don't know who's here. And uh, Jesus is been preaching in churches, I'm sure, where could be preaching to where no one could get saved and no one could start the Christian journey. But the last thing I want to do as an evangelist is leave out this place without at least giving people opportunity. If you've never actually, you believe these things, but you've never actually given your life to Christ, you've never repented, got off the throne and put him on the throne, I'm going this way and I choose to go your way, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. I just love you just right where you are, just in this little holy moment. I'll pray and then I want you to raise your hand, not to me, but to God, just to sign here. I just seen that. We had seven people do this this morning in Messi's Community Church. So precious. And I'll do it again tonight. Whoever's there, just, I can't give anybody that deep burning desire, but God can. If you want to give your life to Christ, basically, this afternoon, Levin Shume. After I've prayed, just raise your hand. Dear Lord, I pray you'll show us where we stand before you. We need to recommit our lives to you, yes. But most of all, in this moment, if we've never truly given our life to you, and we need to repent, believe this good news, and journey on with you into eternity, speak to us now, Lord. I pray salvation will spring up this afternoon. Amen. And if that's you, just in this little moment, right where you are, would you just raise your hand? God's here. He knows who's here this afternoon. Don't miss this opportunity if you're not a Christian and you can be a Christian. Thank you, Lord. Don't scratch your head at the moment. Let me see you.
one more moment or do one more thing and then sit down. So anybody who needs to give their life to Christ, you don't have to have all your ducks in a row, certainly. In fact, that's the one qualification. I've not got all my ducks in the row. Thank you, Jesus. Just one more thing I want to say. If you're like, God, I just felt passion draining, but now I want to go for it. I will stand up for you. I will proclaim you. I will get involved in your mission, whatever it looks like. I want to pray for my friends no more. I want to reach out more and make myself available, totally available to you this afternoon, whatever it looks like. Before the Lord, would you just stand up right where you are? Just stand up if that's you. Don't stand up because other people around you are. Just I want to offer myself to your mission. I've only got this one life and only what's done for Jesus counts. Yes, Lord. And we believe, Lord, I honestly believe that if these brothers and sisters in this room meant this moment, it would change this city. Just a few men and women, we're all in, we're all out for your mission, whatever the cost, however high, however much the highs and lows of this life, maybe even increase in this moment as we just surrender all and give more and serve more and go more and share more. I pray, Jesus, you will set us on fire with this gospel. If a little six-year-old can burn for you, Jesus, we can burn for you and I pray we'll burn. Manchester will see us burn. A people on fire for Christ, loving the poor and the broken, sharing the good news boldly, coming together whatever it takes. We want to make a mark in this generation. It's the only generation we've got, Lord, and we choose to serve you. Thank you, Jesus. Today, we repent of any of, our, any of our self-centeredness, any of our choosing, the little kiddie roller round and round rather than the roller coaster of the gospel. We strap ourselves in and we believe it's going to be a wild ride, Jesus, but we're up for it. Amen. Let's all stand and just give the Lord a round of applause. Can we do that? Can we all stand? Give Jesus a round of applause. He's wonderful.